The latest episode of Tech to Transform is going to sound a little bit different because this time we are at BET in London. It's the Global Community for Education Technology. It's back for 2022 and we caught up with some of the exhibitors to find out what the latest EdTech trends are. Lauren Jeffrey, um, Area Sales Manager at Orcam. Orcam launched around 12 years ago. Um, we're a global company operating in over 40 different countries, 20 different languages, um, and we're here today to pre-launch our Orcam Learn device. Um, so we've got a fantastic stand at the BET show. Um, we've had a really, really busy show. It's been absolutely amazing to have all the conversations with all the teachers and all the education professionals. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to the real launch of the product. It's been it's been really difficult um, over the past two years to demonstrate our products. Um, the the wow factor really comes with Orcam products when you when people are able to use them. So we actually able to put them in their hands. They're able to obviously read text in front of them, and we're able to discuss with them exactly how the product works. So it's much much better to be able to do face to face demonstrations. Um, the responses that we've had, particularly with some of the new features that we are launching, has been incredible. And um, we've had some fantastic pieces of feedback. Um, and everybody is absolutely really excited to see the new Orcam Learn. I think it's it's been really difficult over the past two years to kind of build those relationships, um, particularly in an education sector as well, where it is very hands-on, especially in the technology side of things. You have to get in front of people and you have to you know, build those relationships, show how the products how the product works in practice. Um, and I think it's really nice. You see, you see a lot that goes on, a lot of marketing going on, obviously, with when COVID's been around. So it's just nice to be out in the flesh. As I say, meeting people face to face um, and it just makes a difference in being sat at home <laughs> as well from the past two years. Having some colleagues over from Israel um, has meant that we've tried to, to have a, a lot of meetings um, for them to meet you know, everybody that we work with, our, our distributors, our partners. Um, so it's been difficult to leave the stand because of the way that this stand is designed as well. What we found is a lot of people are coming over because they are they're really interested of, um, of what of what the what we do and our technology and then because we have the demo units here for people to use they're coming over they're really intrigued by it so we've just been absolutely flat out for the past couple of days so i am hoping that at some point we will manage to have a look around but the show looks fantastic um, we're in the obviously the learning and technology zone and it's been absolutely amazing to see all the all the technology technology that's demonstrated here. We've had some great conversations, um, as I say, from from education professionals, international visitors as well. So yeah, a lot of work coming. <laughs> and we are offering kind of free trials, so that's something that we really want to follow up with and make sure that everything that we've you know spoken about, um, that we deliver on, and that's something that we will definitely make sure we do. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of reconnecting with everybody, follow up meetings as well. Um, it's really nice after an event, you have a couple of, of days where a little bit of downtime, hopefully, uh, but then straight back on it, keep that momentum and obviously just keep speaking to people that you've that we've just met after the past few years that we can do this we can get out as I say that our products need to be demonstrated they need to be put in people's hands um, and I think it's in terms of the the events that we do because of Orcam and because we're so versatile and you know our products help so many different people our events really vary from educational events to low vision events um, and technology events in that as well so we've got a busy schedule um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, very, very busy schedule for this year, but it's, it's exactly what we, what we hoped for and what we wanted. My name's Peter Cluxton. I'm actually Senior Director for EdTech across Europe, um, but I think I prefer to be called an education evangelist, but that might upset the HR department. That is fantastic. It is just so nice not to be looking at little squares on my screen 
but actually being face to face and seeing how well our team is working together and just talking with our customers. You know, part of our vision is to, you know, and direction is to move our business from just hardware to actually um, a solution business. And it's just brilliant seeing the reaction to our software, our training, our innovative products here, and listening and learning from the teachers, which is key to what is making our products differentiate from what else is in the market. Standout conversations, there's too many to mention. I think just, it's just brilliant to sort of talk about some of our new solutions and see how well We've got it right, for want of a better way of putting it. The teachers really love the idea of being able to drive educational outcome and attainment and how solutions like Sense, which is what we can see here, you listening can't see it, but it's a, a system a bit like you might have a device that helps you as a driver in a car to drive better. This is a device not to replace a teacher, but to bring extra support to help a teacher in engaging with their class and checking that the room is as safe as it can be. Making the best um, learning possible and making the space the best for the best learning. A lot of our partners, because we're, you know, our theme here is growth and growing together. And that's helping schools to grow, helping schools on their EdTech journey, but it's also the growth of our channel partners and everybody who works with us, teachers in the last two years when we've all been not able to meet, have done a fantastic job. And it's really nice to meet and see some of those teachers. I think it feels almost a little bit like the last two years have, have just passed so fast. And it is just fantastic to see people again and to, to see our team. Um, you know, the team hasn't been together and just seeing how enthusiastic people are on our, in our team to engage is phenomenal and it is about, at the end of the day, all of this is about children and it's about helping those children who get one chance and, you know, for lockdown, it's about the solutions we can offer to really help to increase that learning and drive educational outcomes and attainment um, and, and help the students catch up and support the teachers and make sure we develop the best solutions to support those teachers. Sophie Bailey, founder and host of the EdTech Podcast and I'm from, well I'm currently based in Dartmoor National Park. Sophie, thank you for chatting to me today. So um, could we just start by um, finding out, you're, you've got a session on tomorrow. Um, so could you just tell me a little bit about what you'll be talking about? Yeah, definitely. So tomorrow um, we've got an EdTech podcast live for the first time in yeah probably two, three years, which is quite exciting. So um, we're going to be in the teaching and learning theatre um, and I'm joined by David Price OBE, Valerie Hannon and Sean Gresswell. So uh, David and uh, Valerie both have... Um, sort of really excellent um, experience in education at all levels um, uh, you know getting honours by the Queen and that kind of thing um, but also prolific authors and um, researchers in the space of education 
Um, and Sean is responsible for careers and employability at the um, Greenwood Academies Trust. Um, and the session is going to look very much at schools, employability and skills and as part of a new podcast series in collaboration with Bet and Pearson. And so what we're really interrogating in a um, very efficient 30 minute um, session is, uh, you know, what, what schools are currently doing around skills and employability. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bobby. Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. You're welcome. Thanks, Bobby. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so what we're looking at is um, about schools, employability and skills and um, David has a, a, a new book out which is called The Power of Us and is looking at how companies going forward, um, a lot of them are um, successful based on the power of their networks and the power of building a kind of movement and an idea um, that sort of uh, takes on a life of its own. and. This kind of ties into this idea that more and more of us are now becoming self-employed and to what extent can we support young people to sort of um, garner and nourish the skills set needed in, in that world of self-employment and in the more uh, sort of doggy dog end of, of the gig economy, I suppose. So things like collaboration, entrepreneurialism, communication, all the things that we've, we've talked about a lot and Valerie Hannon, again, um, founder of the Innovation um, Unit uh, and, and other organisations around the world, and she is one of the key people looking at Education 2030 with the OECD. So, uh, you know, she, she's got a, a long take on this. So, you know, we had an interesting prep call the other day where I said, oh, you know, it's really interesting what they're doing in Estonia. I spoke to someone recently and they, and they said about how head teachers are now doing internships within corporate companies to sort of develop um, some knowledge of what's happening in the corporate world and take that back to the school sector. Uh, and she said, oh, you know, we were doing that years ago. And so that was quite an interesting um, point around sort of policy amnesia and the fact that sometimes we come up with these amazing ideas and for one reason or another, they kind of fall by the wayside, whether that's change of government or funding or um, shift in kind of political appetite and that kind of thing. So in the session, what we're going to be looking at, broadly speaking, is, um, and this will go out on the EdTech podcast as well, is some of those big picture ideas like how do we shift towards what we'd love to have you know some of the things that are happening currently so Valerie will be talking a little bit about um, uh, um, some initiatives in Doncaster around education and employability and um, Sean will be talking very much about what um, things are happening at a trust level and then I'm sure all of them will come with their sort of shopping list of what they would um, love to see more of. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. It's something close to my heart. Um, I've just joined as a school governor for a small rural primary school uh, in, um, in Devon as well. And I think that a lot of people listening into this and listening into the, the session will know that it isn't really very equally distributed, this idea of like connecting um, sort of students and schools to um, business and innovation and vice versa because they can both learn from one another and um, you know the, the thing about Sean's role as well and lots of um, careers roles within schools is it falls to someone who's just sort of passionate about that but it's on top of everything else that they're doing so um, at the 
school where I'm at, I've sort of taken on the role of helping develop their careers ed event. Um, and I'm really passionate about the fact that because of technology, you know, um, just because you're in a rural primary school in the middle of nowhere doesn't mean that you you can't have access to the you know the great um, the great and good out there in any sector. Um, but what would be fantastic is how do you kind of how do you kind of implement that idea at every school, not just because someone there is interested and then they leave and then it all kind of goes with them. So. That was very long-winded, but that's what the session is about. <laughs> Sounds great. No, really interesting. Um, it's interesting talking about kind of connecting there, because obviously we haven't all been able to connect in person for a couple of years now, but we're able to again. Yeah. So, and the sector, ed tech has always been, the education sector has always been about connecting and collaboration and kind of learning from each other. So how important is it that an event like this is kind of up and running again? I think it is really important. It's funny, it's one of those kind of, things isn't it that um you know it's 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 um you know for a lot of people it's a lot of work or that you know they have it's a real commitment to to kind of um schedule and plan and attend but i think that um i think that people have really missed it i think that um you know it's wonderful it's like wonderful spring sunshine outside and people are stood and um sunning themselves and connecting and you know, yes, going to the sessions and going to talk to exhibitors, um, but also just that very human need to connect to one another. And, and, you know, then you remember it's like all the old friends that you haven't seen for a long time. When we were on the, on the way to meeting you, um, when I was on the way to meeting you, I was sort of thinking, um, I was quite surprised at the attendance because I thought that with people being a bit nervous around COVID that perhaps they would worry about going back to school and you know, the knock-on effect with staff if, if people caught COVID here. But then I was thinking, well, the counter-argument to that is that ed tech and digital strategy has sort of now become quite a priority, say, for schools that weren't really, who were caught out a little bit during the pandemic. And so actually attending an event where they can kind of accelerate some of that and get to grips with it a little bit, take some time out of the diary to, to kind of plan what that looks like. and you know, may have more importance. And I think, sadly, the case still is that um, the person responsible for sort of IT or network manager roles is sometimes still quite separate. And therefore they may feel, well, there's like a, a mitigate, you know, we won't kind of super spread because that person's still quite separate within the school, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but, you know, maybe that's something thinking about behind it. But yeah, it's great, I think. Um, any chance to kind of get together and we've we've really missed that and it's not it's not quite the same when you do things online is it it's not as fun so um you know it's really amazing to have that option but you don't want to do it all the time yeah absolutely we were talking about all the years gone by that we've come to this event and and over the years i've seen there's been sort of set themes and topics that people were definitely going to be talking about and obviously we've got agendas and things like that here but after being out for so long and people not getting together and, yeah. and talking you know they've been doing it all remotely is there are there any kind of set themes and topics or is it just a bit of a sort of free-for-all this year well um you've kind of caught me on the hoof a little bit because I've literally just rocked up with my bag so I haven't had a chance to kind of get to grips with with what is on offer or trending yet but I completely agree I remember years where it was just like robotics mad 
Um, and the, I remember listing out, I think there were like seven, eight, nine, ten companies with Robo at the start of their name, Robo something. Then there were, you know, tied to that, again, anything around coding and STEM and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think, to be honest, like, I haven't checked in yet. I would imagine there's quite a lot to do with um, wellness and sort of social-emotional learning, but also just the infrastructure that is needed to um, help deliver that obligation around remote learning. So, um, you know, everything that we've come to, come to think of is quite basic, but actually what was revealed is, like, lots of schools still don't have access to that. So anything that can triangulate communications between students, parents, um, teachers, head teachers. Um, yeah, it's it's that kind of basic infrastructure to help equip more so the the running of the school and um, you know, remote learning as well. Um, you continued your podcast right throughout the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, were there is there anything that you want to pick out from there that um, were kind of standout talking points from you, other than what we've already talked about? You know the challenges of remote and um, blended learning, and we were we were talking earlier about sort of staffing problems and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I did carry on. I uh, the pandemic was announced in March. I had a baby in April and then about three months later I sort of came out of the baby fog and realised the thing that I kind of run myself is called the EdTech podcast and this whole EdTech world has sort of exploded so I better get back out there and pull my finger out. And so I remember doing some interviews with people from anything from like the World Economic Forum to the CEO of 2U with like um, various interesting sounds in the background which have been edited <laughs> but anyway um, yeah no it, it was great it was great to carry on and it was actually really um, amazing to see sort of edtech come of age and the, and the best uh, sides of edtech so you know the real use case of like what this is all about um, I think the things that that kind of resonated with me now that the sort of dust has settled a little bit is um, you know thinking about what an amazing job edtech did and educators did um but what you know it can be improved so all of the things around the digital divide around hard to reach children and thinking about some of those harder aspects um and so that's kind of like an ongoing process i think but but the whole experience threw up um the chance to kind of really think about that and and improve so that that was one thing i think there was a lot around, um, yeah, I suppose the more sort of future of work end and more higher education, sort of thinking about, you know, when, why do we need to constantly go in as a behaviour to a physical location? So when that's not purposeful, like challenging that and that being a, a good thing and, and obviously something that seems to be sticking around with kind of workplace practices. Um, but also with students as having quite an interesting um, behavioural outcome. So, you know, now for the students that have been used to remote learning, you know, some of that was really awful and poor quality, but some of it, like, students have got used to it and if they aren't gaining anything from, like, a didactic learning style sat in a classroom and they can be watching it online anyway, they're sort of not as engaged perhaps because they're now questioning well, why did I have to sort of get out of my pyjamas <laughs> so and then that poses interesting questions when we go back to the skills piece that we talked about before because 
what does that mean for in-person communication skills and how that's being honed for when people work if you know if they go into kind of a working environment so I think I think that's um, a side of it I think um, EdTech as a, as a whole has kind of matured from this um, thing which was about you know a typical tech application to a sector like we're going to optimize everything going to personalize everything and now it's a bit you know if we need to take it a step slower but be a bit more human centered and it feels like that's where edtech is going towards like we just need to be a bit more human centered and think about you know people's behavior and what drives them as opposed to just like drip feeding content and so you're seeing a bit more sophistication around around that as well i think yeah, it's been yeah, it's certainly like really fascinating time to interview people because no one had the answers. Like everyone was thrown in at the deep end, and were you know it was a really humbling experience of having to learn from one another. And so, you know, a there was a massive use case for edtech, but also there was a massive use case for things like your podcast and podcasts in general, and learning and people being really generous of like aggregating content and throwing that out into the ether so that everyone could kind of learn from one another so that was really good to see as well um yeah now uh i'm sort of slightly out of the mad bit of the baby dims so that's always good as well um do you think there's any risk of us losing this momentum or the ground that's been gained um now that i mean things aren't quite returned to normal but it certainly feels like it's heading that way um and for people going back to more traditional sort of styles of meeting like this um is there a danger of, of that those gains being lost perhaps I think in the same way that you're seeing um, the digital divide between, you know, attainment with students, you're also sort of seeing the same thing between different school settings and those that perhaps were already up and running and using kind of di- digital tools to some extent, really accelerating that and really um, having a sharp learning curve around that because suddenly it was like a well-used thing. I think in schools that were slightly more hesitant and sort of did it because they had to there is definitely a falling back onto the well-worn methods of before and you know perhaps they've got some of those tools set up but they're not really thinking about how to use them um, in a way that makes sense so they'll use them in some scenarios and not in others and it's not really joined up so I think there is a real risk I think for universities it's a massive wake-up call Um, and I think that has changed to some extent and I think that has you know the the, the unis that don't change um, their offering now it was always on the cards but that that process of like threat from like alternative um, providers is is much greater Um, and then I think for the workplace that's probably where it's changed the most so something like 77% of um, employees in the UK would like some form of hybrid working. And there's a professor that a guest mentioned on the podcast recently, who I think he's at Harvard, but he his whole concept is that, you know, um, company um, approaches and policies to working is driven by the sort of top talent and so if they start to leave like you know the so i think with the with the commercial sector there's a real use case of them not going back to normal and of course you'll have some companies that are like we've always done it like this 
but I think generally speaking they people are still experimenting but I don't think it will look like it did before I think that will change um, yeah it's been a it's been a wake-up call across all of those different <coughs> settings 